Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Well, so uh, this week we are at uh, in San Diego uh, recording live from the San Diego Comic-Con International. Uh, Well, right now we're actually in the media room uh, at the Hilton Bayfront, but we're very close by to the exhibition floor, and I've got the great pleasure to about to uh, talk with Max Allen Collins, uh, the renowned uh, crime novelist, uh, TV writer, Comics writer, I, the list could go on, and, and I think he would like me to keep going on. But we'll get to even more of what he's doing. Max, thank you so much for being on Mordeco. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, as I said in my, you know, much abridged introduction, uh, I mean, you are the author of certainly a graphic novel that was really significant to me. Road to Perdition, thank made you. into movies. You've written Dick, the Dick Tracy comic strip, yeah. uh, Mrs. Tree, which Mrs. I read. Mystery. Excuse me. Time to change. Got to get the point. Times right. have changed, <laughs> I, but I was a big fan of that as well. Uh, Batman, I know yeah, you've I read. It, I, it goes on and on and on. Uh, but what we really want to talk to now are the, uh, the comics that you're doing um, for, Titan, for uh, Titan, and in particular, uh, Mike Hammer and uh, Mickey Spillane's comics. So, yeah. Well, it's the centenary of yes. uh, Mickey mm-hmm. Spillane's birth, and it, this is one of the sort of special projects that we decided to do at Titan. I've been completing books of prose books of yes. Mickey's mm-hmm. at Titan for, gee, almost yeah, 10 years. years. Yeah. yeah, and we knew this was a special event, the, the 100th, and we we had a couple of books we had kind of saved, the very uh-huh. first Mike Hammer story that I, I finished for Mickey, and then the very last book that Mickey did before his passing, one, pa- one is called The Last Stand, that was done by mm-hmm. Hard Case Crime, a mm-hmm. sister publication yep. of... Uh, of Titan, and then the other is the current Killing Town, mm-hmm. and so those both have a little gold logo on them that tells you it's the yes. And just for our listeners who may not know, and we we have done some other interviews with Charles R. Died, yeah. But you know, Hard Case Crime does really classic, you know, crime fiction, and Hard Case Crime comics trying to do the same thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so I did my character Quarry, who I've done yes mm-hmm. for for Charles at Hard Case Crime. We did that. Uh, Got Quarry's War, which is mm-hmm. a graphic novel. Uh, first time that character has been done in. And oh, it's, great! It's mm-hmm. not an adaptation; it's a new this story. This is an original story. And, and, and this is. Uh, and while there's Spillane material, real Spillane material in this uh, my camera miniseries, uh, it's it's a story that's not been really published before. Uh, it was originally done as a radio show that oh, was mm-hmm. not produced, mm-hmm. written by Mickey. He did a TV pilot script that was not produced, and then he and I did a screenplay version of it at one point in the 90s, and went, and it just seemed like the perfect time to take this story out and give it its visual, uh, give it a visual mm-hmm. medium that it, it cries out for. We're going to get back to that, but could you give all this just a little background on Mickey Spillane's background in sure. comics? Yeah, in fact, uh, that's that's the full circle aspect mm-hmm. of this, because... It began as a character called Mike Danger. Right. Mickey mm-hmm. was a guy who had worked on things like Submariner and Captain mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. He worked was did a lot of Marvel stuff. Uh, and after the war, when he came back to the comics market, I don't know whether he had lost some of his contacts, but he was not able to get Mike Danger sold. Mm-hmm. And so he needed money to build his house. He needed $1,000 to build a house. That's, so that a, dates a, it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Rates from another time. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. 
And so he wrote, uh, he wrote I, the Jury, very famous uh, hard-boiled detective story. He said in about a week and a half, some people say it took him 19 days, as much as 19 right. days, but uh, became one of the biggest bestsellers of the wow. 1950s, and it hmm. followed by things like Kiss Me Deadly and Vengeance mm-hmm. is Mine and The Long Wait, very famous books. And he really sparked the entire uh, paperback original market because uh-huh. they were trying to do books like him. Uh-huh. Because his his books, which were actually reprints of art covers, were selling so well, so he began. So the character really began with these comics roots, and so we're now back. Uh, so Mickey's very was very comfortable with comics. Mm-hmm. I tell you something. I'm not telling yeah. anybody. But he he used to say to me sometimes. Bring me some of those underground comics. I want to see what those underground comics well, are no, like. Cause he that wa- would have been interesting yeah. to see. Um, he wanted to see it because yeah. he had never been able to do that kind of material, mm-hmm. you know, and it fascinated him. Um, I mean, how did you work with him? And Because you collaborated on some things with him uh, as well. Yes. I did, but we never collaborated on a novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we collaborated on were 12, around 12 anthologies that were uh-huh. initially things of his that had never been collected and then then we did several collections of various crime authors we had we had we collected stories by people like Jim Thompson and Chester Himes and a lot of really uh-huh. great writers mm-hmm. and uh, celebrated the 20th century noir sure. masters mm-hmm. uh, and then I did a documentary about him mm-hmm. called My Camera's Mickey Spillane and uh, he cooperated with that mm-hmm. interestingly I said I wanted to write a biography of him and he said uh, he wouldn't. He said I may want to do that myself someday. I want. And I said, well, how about a how, how about a documentary? So we did this documentary, and I got him to open up like he uh-huh. never opened up before. Uh, and we did we did the Mike Danger. We did a Mike Danger comic book uh, in the early nineties. What it was a science fiction. Take yeah, on. and I've seen some I've things seen that. about that. But he's yeah, it's sort of he's projected into the future. Yeah, and he, he gets uh, frozen. The, has an office in the Statue of Liberty or something. <laughs> <laughs> He gets frozen and thought out. Yeah, well, it, you know, it's comics. In, in, a, in, a, in a very politically uh, politically correct future where he doesn't fit in too well, uh, as you might well, imagine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can see that would lead to some interesting stories. Yeah, and he he he. I know in the one of the first stories he's he's put he's up put up for for some crime he committed, and he gets off because he proves he's legally dead. <laughs> well, I can see he had a lot of leeway with this yes. particular series. Yes. yes. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, I was, I came to focus on the Mike Hammer yeah. graphic novel, but I am curious about Quarry's War and what you're doing. Well, Quarry's War, uh, and, and I never. That's real- been a movie. I mean, yeah, it was a TV movie. show this last is, oh, this year. This is original. Mm-hmm. There was a, a movie, mm-hmm. and then then there was a TV show on Cinemax last year, and the the background of Quarry always was that he was a, a Vietnam vet. He may have been the first series mm-hmm. character who had uh, post traumatic stress Actually, disorder mm-hmm. from Vietnam. But it was always something that I just talked about as backstory, and when I had when I had the opportunity to do, to do an original story, and this is not based on one of the novels, mm-hmm. it's original. Yeah. I could take it, actually do that that origin to see what happened to him in Vietnam because oh. of the mm-hmm. visuals that were you know that made possible uh, made made a really an attractive project. And so there's two storylines here. One of the storylines is. Uh, in is in the 70s when he's a was is a hitman, and then the other storyline is a few years before that when he's a sniper in Vietnam. And we cut back and forth constantly. Left hand page is is the today of 1972 or three, okay. 
and the right-hand page is 1971 in, in Vietnam. And then eventually these stories converge. Things that happened over yeah. there have oh, a resonance okay. over here. So uh, it was something that I couldn't really do that in, you mm -hmm. in, in a novel, only in a graphic novel. Well, obviously, that's one of the great things about yeah. the medium is you can. There, there are certain things that are you know really pertinent to comics and how you can use them. Yes, and and, and that's true of. And a lot of times, people think that movies and comics are the same, but they just aren't. Mm -hmm. uh, only in the the sense that you've got to think visually as a writer and try not to be redundant, not mm -hmm. not not put captions in that tell you what's in the picture. Well, yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> that's a lot the thing. Of people do. You know, since the words in the pictures have to really work together seamlessly, that's got to be the key element. What do you need to, to, to tell the audience and what do you, you know, what do you need to show them? Well, it's it's like when the, the, the opening of the My Camera graphic novel, I don't know how many pages, I'll look here. One, two, three, yeah, it, it three pages. On a, yeah. on a well, I wrote those, I wrote those pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Actually, why don't you give us? I mean, just an outline of what you know. Um, my, you know it's what's Mickey Spillane's Mike Hammer. I mean, well, he, Hammer is a, is a private detective. Yeah. He, he really begins. It's he's a again. He's also a post traumatic yeah. stress guy. He he came out of the Pacific, mm -hmm. and the very first story his a uh, uh, a fellow combat soldier who had, who had given an arm for mm -hmm. him literally in combat is murdered and so it becomes a vengeance story mm -hmm. so the root of what what really makes Hammer different say from Philip Marlowe or Sam mm -hmm. Spade or one of those characters is he's very personal these cases are almost always mm -hmm. driven by vengeance something that bad has happened to a friend he we always Mickey used to always say he never has any clients he has no idea how the guy's making a living <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but somehow it always yeah. works out I mean, in here, there's yeah. a damsel in distress. In yeah, this what's first the plot of, you know, maybe give them an outline of the plot of this. Well, part. we started in the middle because I, I knew that there would be readers who didn't know Hammer. They they mm -hmm. maybe have heard of him, vaguely know he's private eye. Well, I think everyone's heard of him, but, you know, you might be hitting a generation that maybe hasn't. Yeah, yeah because you know, the, the, the last mm -hmm. Stacey Keach was on in, in the 90s, mm -hmm. and the 90s now is a while ago, yes, which yes, is yes. crazy <laughs> to me, but it is. So I started with the end of, of a previous story so mm -hmm. that we could come in and we could see some action. Mm -hmm. We could see him confront the bad yes. person and say how he figured everything out. So we know now, and the bad person's a femme of Tal. So you get that whole thing. So you, yes. in, the, in about 10 pages, you get, mm -hmm. that's who this guy is. Now we're going to do another story about him, and it's mm -hmm. going to be more detail. His world is rather small because he's got his secretary, Velda, yes, who's really a, pri a private yeah. eye herself mm -hmm. and a very strong character. And then his friend, uh, Pat Chambers, who's a cop. That's really the world. Yeah. He doesn't have a, any big cast of characters beyond that. And, uh, and he's, he's, a, he's a first person guy. Even here we have first person narration, very traditional. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain noir poetry, I think, to what, what Mickey sets up. Uh, well, there is there is a classic uh, syntax. Yes, we'll put it you're that exactly way. right. Uh, how, yes, I'm not sure how we spell syntax. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but you know, well, yeah, with an I probably. <laughs> That's probably how it would be in a Mike Hammer. In a Mike Hammer, in a Mike Hammer story. Um, uh, so now this is going to be this is released in a I think uh, four or five issue series, four. and then it'll be collected. It will be collected. Yeah. Now I, I, I do want to know. I'm curious now. It, it, Mike Hammer is a classic right. hard boil. Private Eye, and now in this new age of, of millennial comics reader, does this parent does it still work? I mean, does this formula still work? I, well, I tell you what's what's 
always hard with with this character and why I'm really glad I'm the guy that got to do him. Cool. Is that you you can go into camp so easy. You can mm-hmm. go into self parody so easy. So so having that line where the tongue the tongue is a little bit in, che- in yeah. cheek mm-hmm. because he always was with Hammer. Mm-hmm. There's a certain dark humor in in Mickey's work, but you you want you want to have it have some impact. Mm-hmm. You want to have you want want the blood to be red. You want the you know the the women to be beautiful. Absolutely. You want all of that stuff. And it, you know so so I strive to do that without kidding it too much or mm-hmm. taking it over the top. Something that happens a lot when when I do this kind of thing hmm. is th- there'll be be a book reviewer says i'm going to write the book review like it's a private eye yeah. <laughs> and and it's always like and, and it's so corny yeah. and it's so you know they they don't know how to yeah. hit it because you it, it, you've got to hit a certain tone that does not take it off take it mm-hmm. into just ridiculous parody, parody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. ridiculous parody and uh, how closely do you work the artists on this because we should uh i should mention their names well i i work Primarily with the mm-hmm. with the editor do, because yeah. several of these guys are not English speakers, yeah, and so. But I write a very detailed, mm-hmm. very detailed script. Uh, in fact, sometimes the artists don't like it because I'm telling really, them I'm telling yeah. them what I want, yeah. and you know I've done this a while, yeah. and I kind of so I know what I want, and uh, like I said, I wrote these pictures. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The artists with Marcelo Salazar and Marcio Frieri. They, they're um, great. This good. full color thing is Yes, it's really beautifully crazy. done. Yeah. So, look, this is really great. It's really uh, fabulous to get a chance to talk to you. Um, you're well-known in this business. Um, like I said, uh, Road of Predictions was one of my favorites. Thank you. And uh, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Thank you for being so knowledgeable about this stuff. Well, we try. It's <laughs> nice. It's, it's really a, nice. Well, one of the nice things about my job is that it's work and pleasure. It all kind of works together. Never tell the boss that. Comic Never Con tell the boss works that. that way. <laughs> anyway. You're going to get into that labor of love area, yes, and that doesn't pay very yeah, well. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, thanks again. Thank you very much. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comics World's weekly podcast of comics and graphic novel news. I am Heidi McDonald, a regular contributor to this podcast. And so this is our San Diego Week podcast, and I'm here with Bill Morrison, legendary Bill Morrison. Hi, Bill. How's it going? It's going great, Heidi. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, now, Bill, you might know for his long uh, association with Bongo Comics, uh, but also now the uh, executive editor of MAD. Do I have that right? MAD Magazine? That's right. Yes. yes. But as if that wasn't busy enough for him, you've also completed... A comics adaptation of Yellow Submarine, uh, the Beatles' iconic animated film. So, you know, let me just get this out straight. This is the boomer's delight right here. So (laughs) (laughs) maybe a few youngsters will step in. But, yeah, Bill, Yellow Submarine, what what is that, just in case? uh, What what is this adaptation? I understand it might have been in a drawer for a while. Yes. uh, Back in almost, uh, well, it was. Almost 20 years ago today, as the song goes, <laughs> um, I was approached by Dark Horse Comics to do a, an adaptation of the Yellow Submarine, and this was, and Yellow Submarine, for those who don't know, is a, a 1968 animated film starring the Beatles. Uh, and uh, I was approached by Dark Horse to do a, uh, a graphic novel adaptation. Uh, 
kind of, I guess, uh, timed to come out with the first DVD release of the film. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was, it was having um, its, uh, I guess it was the 30th anniversary at the time. And uh, so they hired me to uh, adapt it, script and, and art and everything. And so I set about to do it, and I did about uh, I did a cover and about 25 pages, and then uh, was asked to stop because the uh, the deal that they had with Apple apparently wasn't quite finalized. Mm-hmm. I think they probably got me started on the film oh. or on the on the graphic novel in advance so that they could time it to come out with the DVD and it wouldn't lag behind. Um, but anyway, something fell through. Um, and they and they said, you know, we're not going ahead with it. So, yeah, it sat in a drawer for a long time, and then along came uh, Facebook and uh, comic art fans and places where you can display artwork um, online. And uh, so I showed some of the pages uh, just in a I – ha- I think I had it in a file called Forbidden Beetles. <laughs> and uh, – <laughs> And uh, you know, people people saw it and commented, and um, they got a little bit of notoriety. There was, an, I think, a, um, one of the online comic sites did an article about it. And uh, so, anyway, all these years later, uh, you know, they're getting ready for the 50th anniversary of the film, and um, the uh, Apple representative who who um, you know, kind of handles all the merchandise and licensing deals for the Beatles, um, approached me, and he it had been shown to him, the stuff that I had done. And uh, he really liked it and asked me if I'd be interested in continuing, you know, to uh, rather completing the project. And the licensee that they had lined up was Titan Books, uh-huh. Titan Comics in the U.K. And Titan was already doing vinyl figures, related to Yellow Submarine and all kinds of things. So um, I think it sort of made sense for them to do it, plus they're British. So. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so they get all uh, those so it, references. <laughs> yeah. And so they hooked me up with Titan, and I already knew the Titan folks from Bongo because they were they're one of the Simpsons and Futurama yeah. comics licensees. Um, so we all, you know, we were all old friends to begin with. And um, so they they said, yeah, we want you to to finish it up, and we'd like to make it a 96-page adaptation. Originally, it was going to be 48 pages. Mm -hmm. And so I got to expand it. I got to add a few pages to the beginning part that I had already done, um, just to expand that bit a little bit. And uh, and then... um, you know, it's it's done and it's coming out end of August, and I'm very excited. Right now, how how long? I, I, I'm sorry, just to, just to reiterate. So, how long have you been working on the second go around at it? Uh, the to to finish it off, it took about a year, mm-hmm. um, because it coincided with me starting at Mad. Right, right. Uh, yeah, it was kind of weird timing because I wasn't sure if I was getting. If I was going to be able to take the mad job, um, you know, I didn't have a like a final offer. Mm-hmm. Um, when Titan was asking me to sign a contract to do the adaptation, so I was sort of weighing. Well, if I say no to Titan mm-hmm. and right. I end up not getting the mad job, then I might be suicidal. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, because I won't have either one. So maybe I should take the right. take the yellow submarine gig and then just hope I can work it all out. Right. So that's what I did. I just spent evenings and weekends um, working on it. So I, you know, I put in my long hard day at Mad, and then I would go home and have dinner, and then just get to the drawing board. Wow, Bill, you got to win some a little award for that. Now that is definitely the mark of the true dedicated professional. Uh, you know, those, those nighttime, those nighttime gigs that, uh, you know, I hear people working on them, but I mean, it's hard to stay focused, isn't it? It is. And, you know, when I was in my twenties, I could do this without even, um, blinking, but you know, the older you get, the harder it is to do those all nighters. Uh. And, uh, and you know, so yeah, so it was difficult, but you know, it's also the thing that sort of keeps you going is my God, you know, they're letting me do an official <laughs> Beatles, Beatles graphic novel. I mean, right. how do you, how do you not stay inspired and, right. and focused when you have something like that? Yeah, although now I have to, now comes, you know, my own personal uh, detective work here because as a child, now I will date myself, as a child, one of the first comics I ever owned was a comics adaptation of yellow submarine and i remember so clearly it was my favorite thing i read it to pieces and there was a poster that came in the middle and i that had the four different beetles and i I, on the other side was the blue meanie and the yellow submarine and all that and i had it up on my wall and you know i must have just loved it to pieces because i guess they go for quite a bit now they do because uh, everybody loved them to pieces, and everybody <laughs> took the poster out and hung it up, and so it's really hard to find it with the poster intact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But but so that was done by Gold Key, right? So that was like yeah, a, right, right. And it was also done before the final designs were finished, as I understand. Yeah, Jose Delbo mm-hmm. um, drew that, and you know he did a beautiful job, but. Um, it's it's a little weird because it doesn't quite follow the story mm-hmm. of the film, and you know he had to make up things that hadn't mm-hmm. either either didn't exist yet uh, design wise in the film as they were were working on it, or you know they were just uh, things that were in the initial script that um, that he was sort of drawing out of his imagination what it would look like and then it ended up being cut from the final film so <laughs> right right yeah uh, you know, so there's stuff in there that you know if you've seen the movie you, you go well this is really very different but mm-hmm. um yeah he was he was working without a net on that right right now this one i mean i i think what yellow submarine is probably best known for now is is the character designs by heinz edelman right yeah uh correct. and and they are, uh, he, you know, they are, to use and overuse words, quite iconic. Um, now, was he known for other things, or was this his one shot, or what, what was his history? I really don't know much about his history. I know he was, um, he was a great graphic designer, and, and uh, I don't know if he worked a lot in animation, and I don't, I don't think he ever did anything else that was similar in style. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Shaw would be able to tell uh, you because he's he's just an expert on the background of the film. Uh-huh. Um, what I do know is that Peter Max got a lot of credit for designing the film, and he actually had nothing to do with it. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, as a kid, I thought that as well, like everybody. Yeah. 
So it was now. Um, but yeah, the I mean the 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 design of the film, the story that I heard, and I think I heard this from Scott, is that um, King Features Syndicate, the guy who ran that, who ran King Features, he um, he produced uh, the animated series, the Beatles Saturday Morning Cartoon Show, mm-hmm. and the original idea was to do a feature length version of that so the characters were going to going to look like they did on that animated show mm-hmm. and um i think the the studio that did the animation for the animated you know for the cart uh, saturday morning series they resisted they said no we're not going to do this we're, we have no interest in doing you know by this time mm-hmm. it was you know that period of the beatles had passed right and they didn't right, even right. look the way they did in that cartoon series and they said, no, we don't want to do something that, you know, looks dated and four years old. Right, right, right. Uh, um, but And then I'm fuzzy on when Edelman stepped in uh, or, or when they brought him in with this different look. But once they did that, um, everybody got very excited, including the Beatles. When, when the Beatles saw the designs, they just thought it was fantastic. Right. Right. Now, how about, like, for you, uh, I mean, you kind of draw on several different styles. I I, I think it's fair to say that you do have a pretty solid retro style, though. Is that that fair to say? Um, Yeah. A retro style. Um, But, I mean, how hard was it to draw in in this, you know, style that wasn't your own, really? I mean, it's very close. I I would say it's on model, you know, or roughly on model. Yeah, the model throughout the film changes a bit. Um so I tried to I tried to put what I was doing somewhere in the middle. Um, cuz if you look at if you look at stills um the shape of the hair changes um on most of the beetles mm-hmm. from scene to scene and uh some of the costuming uh the way like you look at one shot and all the beetles have kind of tiny little heads and very long bell-bottom pants right and then in other shots they're much shorter so there there isn't a um the kind of model consistency that exists in a a lot of disney films um or in something like the simpsons where it's pretty consistent so i tried to just sort of establish something that you know is reasonably on model right right um and and just in, in general sort of looks very faithful to the film unless you start picking it apart but mm-hmm. uh um i forget the original question oh i was just asking you about <laughs> drawing drawing in your style oh, how hard you know, it was yeah like to, adapting to the style i i think even though i do have my own style um i've spent a lot of my career um you know i did disney posters where i had to draw on model and and just you know work for model sheets mm-hmm. obviously with the simpsons and futurama you know, I've had decades of experience drawing like Matt Groening or mm-hmm. like the the animators on the mm-hmm. shows. So that's sort of something that I do pretty well. I'm a pretty good mimic. Mm-hmm. So if I have enough reference and I can look at, um, you know, the look of a film or a TV show, um, it's pretty easy for me to to kind of switch over. Right. I've never I've never had such a like a very strong personal style. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's impeded what I do when I'm trying to do somebody else's style. 
Well, I think it's kind of fair to say that the Simpson style is probably a spiritual child of Yellow Submarine style, actually. Yeah, it really is. Um, so you know the the way that um, the way that elbows and knees work, and uh-huh. um, just kind of you know, there's a free flowingness to it. So yeah, there's definitely. I, I mean, I know from talking to Matt that um, he was very inspired by Yellow Submarine. Uh-huh. So it it sort of set him on a course. Um, in terms of animation, right, right. So actually, it's not. It's that there is definitely a you know a connection on the the great, the great evolutionary tree of comics there, or animation comics slash comics. Uh, there, interesting. Um, you know, is is I, I, how do you you know how does this story hold up really? I mean, it was such a weird time. Everybody was on acid, <laughs> <laughs> and yet it was a I beloved actually... children's classic. I think it holds up brilliantly, especially, you know, given the current times that we're in, because ultimately the message of it is love conquers hate, good Mm. conquers evil. And, and not only that, it's not like, it's not just that, you know, if using love and, you know, positive energy, you can win the war against hate and evil, but you can also bring it over to your side. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hearts can be changed. You know, it's kind of like the Grinch, how the Grinch stole Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's like the same message that, you know, evil can be turned to good. You know, mm-hmm. not necessarily only vanquished, but also turned to good. Um, so I think it's it's a real positive message for today. I mean, the blue meanies, there's lots of blue meanies mm. in, in real life. Um, you know, just pick up a newspaper or yeah. turn on CNN and they're right there. So... Um, I think it really resonates. I mean, it's a pretty simple story. It's kind of a quest story, um, but it's it's also just a good triumphing over evil, and you know, it leaves you with just a real positive feeling mm-hmm. and a and a inspirational feeling. Like, yeah, we can do this. Right. Well, it was a very tumultuous time when this came out. I mean, it was a very divisive time, also, and unfortunately, right. a lot of the battles that were being fought then are battles you know, for civil rights and so on that we thought we'd fought once and now unfortunately we're fighting them again. So maybe maybe it is time. Maybe the <laughs> you know, fifty yeah. year this fifty year cycle. Um is I, right. I really think it is. While I was working on it, I mean that was on my mind. I kept thinking, gosh, this is something that you know, all these all these uh things that they were dealing with back in 68 they're kind of coming back to the surface and and we're dealing with them again right right um you know i'm I'm sure that i would be killed if i asked you about matt at all but um uh, how do you like how is that job going for you it's going great i yeah i'm not supposed to really um talk much about mad outside of the, the official interviews that i do but um just in general, I think I can safely say it's going great. The you know sales are really good, and uh, we're having a great time. Right, right, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. Maybe someday we'll uh, get an official interview with you about Mad Magazine because that really, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm super excited by some of the cartoonists that you've brought on board there, and you know, just yeah, I, I think Mad is shockingly relevant <laughs> given its long provenance. Uh, and you've been turning out some some great material in there, so uh, you know I'd love to salute that as well, um, Bill. Oh, since, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to talk more about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll I'll, I'll keep leaning on the, the the DC people. 
um, the DCPR okay. people who are excellent at their jobs. Um, but since this is yeah, our special yeah. San Diego edition, um, will you be at the Eisners again this year? Yes. Um, my lovely wife, Kara, and I, along with um, Anana, will uh, be opening the show mm-hmm. um, and giving out the first three awards. Um, I understand Phil Lamar is going to be sort of the um, uh, MC or mm-hmm. host of the show. So he'll come out and and uh, with Jackie and he'll do a little introductory stuff and then he'll bring us out and then um, as usual I will leave Karen Anana on stage to um, help help with the awards and then I'll cool my heels mm-hmm. in the green room nice nice well that green room must be uh, you know are, are untold tales of the Eisners there Bill I mean this could be another you know another long brewing project for you <laughs> Well, you know, what happens in the Eisner green room, I'm afraid, stays in the Eisner Oh, dear. Well, you know, I always say <laughs> I always say there's a 20-year statute of limitations on all this stuff. You know, then 20 years from now, you'll be called up by comic book news or comic book artist or, you know, one of those magazines, and they'll ask you. And then you'll say, you know, when I was back in the Eisner green room, and, you know, by then all yeah, the... Now it can, now yes, it can be told. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, well, Bill, listen, the, the, the submarine yellow submarine book sounds amazing again coming from titan comics in august right yeah but we're doing um we're having two signings during comic-con so they've got some advanced copies there Mm -hmm. and we're doing a panel on sunday and uh so it's so it's definitely going to be revealed there at comic-con you won't have Mm -hmm. to wait if you're if you're there you won't have to wait until the end of august to see it Excellent, excellent. So, uh, so Yellow Submarine uh, debuting at San Diego uh, on sale everywhere later on. Mad Magazine ongoing, and then see Bill and his lovely wife Care at the Eisners on Saturday night. Bill, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Heidi. This has been fun. All right. And I look forward to talking to you later about, about Mad. Awesome. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. <laughs> and we're on the, we're at the IDW booth, and I'm here with Dirk Wood. And you are, you want to, now I've got your name, oh, Creative Director, IDW, PDX, Woodwork. Yep. Dirk, we go way back. So yep. welcome uh, to More to Come. Thank you, thank you. And um, look, you're also the editor of Full Bleed. The uh, um, where is it? I've got the whole thing out. Oh, the the Comics and Culture Quarterly. Correct. Uh, and it's somewhat amazing. Hardcover, two hundred page quarterly. I mean, I, I'll call it a magazine, but it ain't yeah. a magazine. Right. It's a hardcover. It's a book. Yeah, which it's is what we do. Yes, it's a book of scene. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, I want to know more about it, and we want to know about the structure also that that you're running that yeah. publishes this. So, but to get our readers, uh, our listeners started. Tell, could you give us some background? On, yeah, on, sure. On, so, uh, on you know, you. on me. <laughs> So, well, I've been in comics about 25 years at this point. This is my 22nd straight San Diego, so I'm, it feels like 23. But, uh, you know, so I, I started my career in retail and then worked for Dark Horse for many years, about 15 years. And then the last eight and a half or so, I've been at IDW. First as a VP of marketing, and then I transitioned into this role, opening up a satellite office in Portland, which sprung mostly out of conversations with Ted Adams, our CEO, and... 
we, we were talking about two things simultaneously, one of which was that Portland was turning into this comics mecca. Yeah. So along with Dark Horse, you've got Oni and yeah. Image and everybody else, yep, the yep. Legal Defense Fund. Yes, so, of course. Yeah. yeah. So we thought, man, it would be really great to have a presence up there in that community. And I was flying up there all the time anyway mm-hmm. because that's where my now wife and her uh-huh. kids live. Okay. So I thought, yeah, let's set up shop up there. Personal and, we, and business. Correct. <laughs> and then we were talking at the same time. So it was sort of a, a little post-election malaise. To and, say the least. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about, and, and we were talking more about just sort of literacy in general and the state of the internet mm-hmm. in America and all these kinds of things. And we, we came across the idea of running this magazine. And it just sort of felt like kismet. It was sort of what mm-hmm. something I've always actually wanted to do, uh-huh. something he's definitely always wanted to do, and we just said, let's do this thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a 200-page print-only mm-hmm. quarterly hardcover magazine, the world's only 200-page <laughs> yes, print-only, yeah. you know. <laughs> And, uh, now, is this distributed in bookstores? Uh, not yet, but uh-huh. they're going to be soft covers. So the, uh-huh. the, the, the first four are essentially a, a limited edition scenario mm-hmm. that we we marketed on Kickstarter yeah. and we yeah. ran through mm-hmm. the direct market. Do you give out the numbers of your print runs? Sure, I can tell you that. I'll tell you. So we, yeah, we, we, pr- we printed 3,000 copies of the first issue uh-huh. and they're almost gone. Yeah. So, right. you know, which for a $25 hardcover in this day and age. That's Well, it, look, it's good. an amazing bargain. We haven't yeah. got to talking about the content yet. Oh, Come yeah. On. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're almost out of 3,000 copies of the first volume. We, okay. printed, we printed 2,500 of the, of the second volume. Which is just out. Just yes. hit this week. Yeah, in fact, I, so. I'm opening it up in my office as I'm packing up to yeah. leave to come to San Diego. Oh, that's so, yeah. good timing. <laughs> yes, perfect yeah. timing. So, uh, yeah, no, it's it's been a, I, I would call it a modest success. Yes. We, we, Mm-hmm. We want it to grow from here, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that's there are going to be soft covers that go to the whole marketplace. Well, yeah, because that was going to be my next question, yeah. too. Right. And so well, one thing, in, uh, before we even get into mm-hmm. specific content, the idea with creating the content is to make it as timeless as possible. Mm-hmm. So we're you know we're doing long interviews, and yeah. deep depth, deep depth stuff, and and uh, you know new comic material and things that don't have an expiration date like your average magazine yeah. would. Mm-hmm. And so the idea we're going to go wide with soft covers starting in February. Great. And most likely at this point we're confirming some things, but after volume four it'll probably just switch to a soft cover instantaneous release everywhere. Yeah, I see. And those first four will remain sort of a slip-cased collectible I see. scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. there's there are a couple things notwithstanding, most of the content should be able to live kind of forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they read like very, I mean, mini, well, each article is almost like a mini book, really. Yeah. You really like a great magazine article from the heyday of magazines. Oh, thank really. you. Really? Well, yeah. because they're deep uh, dives into a wide variety of subjects. Uh, including, of course, having comics oh, yeah. as well as prose pieces yeah. on any number uh, of topics. So, yeah. um, um, but 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 tell us a little bit about more about the the platform that's publishing the PDF. I mean, right. how does that work? Well, it's it's you know it, it's been a, taking a little bit of a time for it to sort of find its footing. The mm-hmm. first, the, I would say, the first nine months of it were essentially how do we run this two hundred okay. page quarterly okay. magazine? And so, and it's funny. I, I, a lot of people will be like, "What else are you working on?" I'm a, pretty much a one man operation up there. Oh, that's interesting. And, I, yeah. and I'm sort of like. What else am I working on? I'm putting out a quarterly 200-page magazine. You try to do that, you know. 
And so, however, <laughs> that there, there's a lot on the way that, that sort of, uh, we knew that uh, it was hard to put the aesthetic we wanted to produce into words, mm-hmm. and it was going to have to be the, the books themselves that sort of speak to what we want to do. Uh-huh. And so uh, the, the whole idea was to launch Full Bleed, the first couple volumes, and then people are going to, like, I, I sort of like yourself, when you, you know, like, hey, like, when you get that second volume, you're like, I see what they're trying to do here. Well, kind absolutely. Of, you know, yeah. right. And so there are many, a lot of things to come, but we wanted to start with that. And now, mm-hmm. so probably the first range of projects are going to be mostly full bleed related. So, because there's, in about nine months, we're going to have about 2,000 pages of content so yeah. far that we're going to be able to repackage in various ways. So the soft covers will come, but then you're probably going to see the best of the interviews, the best, uh-huh. the best of the fiction. So is this stuff online as well? Or no, it's no. print, it's print so only. It's print only. Print oh, only. Okay. And that, that we wanted to lean heavily into that. Ted, mm-hmm. Ted and I both were just like, I miss books. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. And uh, the, and, and have them having any sort of exclusivity. Yeah. Now, that is a work in progress, sure. and the jury is out on yeah. how well we're going to be able to survive just doing that. Yeah. And we'll, I'm sure at some point we'll do some digital content. Yeah. Ideally, that would not be in the book, but would be complimentary. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, mm-hmm. cutting room floor yeah. stuff, things like that. But I so. do like uh, these collections, uh, or basically slicing and dicing the content, you're saying, yeah. in some ways, the interviews. Right. And But there's such a range of content in there, too. Yeah. And from, you know, reading the introductions uh, and knowing Ted Adams a little bit, yeah. it seems like this is kind of reflects some wide-ranging yeah. uh, interests among the two of you and I suppose oh, other yeah. people. That you oh, sure. And, and, you know, exactly. And, uh, you know, there are certain things like in my mind when I flip through a copy, I'm like, you know, there's Ted's baby, there's my baby. There's my baby, there's Ted's baby. But there are also, a lot of them are, are just from essentially cold calls where people have started uh-huh. figuring out what we're doing. And, you know, it may not have been my inspiration, but I know when someone pitches me something and I say like, oh, that's perfect, you know. Yeah. So there are a lot of sensibilities creeping in. I mean, Ted and I, one of our, off the bat, we were like, okay, we're, you know, two 48-year-old white guys. You know, and we happen to think we're fairly interesting 48-year-old white And you are. Sure. That's it. Well, thank you. <laughs> that said, there is a big, wide world out yeah. there that's not us. And so we want to gather as much, you know, as many creative minds yeah. of, of every different variety we can. And so far, I think it's been pretty Well, pretty I know. Great. that. On, on that note, let's just go over a little bit some of the content. I'm, sure. I'm going to jump to the first one, and then we'll, do, we'll go to the second one. Okay. Um, the first thing I, I want to mention, of course, is... Uh, the boss, Ted Adams, actually, oh, yeah. he has a piece, and I and I, I'm you bringing that up because we were in yes, I make an appearance. We were in Cuba yeah. together. Right. Um, I interviewed him in Havana at the Havana Book Fair. It was yeah. a completely life uh, transforming right. uh, experience. I think Ted for the both too. of us. Yeah. Um, we walked the streets of Old Havana. Um, we rode around so in classic awesome. cars, but really, we also went on a hunt for. Uh, Cuban cartoon and co- and comics. He found a lot more than I did, and he, he, and he talks about it. He boy does he ever, <laughs> yeah. and he he talks about it in the piece. And uh, yeah, uh, and it, and it's 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 wonderful for me because I re- it takes me back to being there. But yeah. it'd be great for the readers. Yeah, um, Cuba is a, a wonderful place, an interesting place. Uh, you know, it's a more difficult place now. I think under yeah. the under not only their regime but our new one. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
but I just wanted to point that out because yes, I uh, do have I uh, do make an appearance. Yeah, and you know what, what's funny is I've had multiple uh, retailers, that, like a lot of comic retailers, have really gotten behind this idea, mm-hmm. and a ton of them have mentioned Ten's article. They're like, "This is my favorite." Yeah, and if you think about something that typically would sell in the direct market it's, it's not, not it's, a, right a prose piece about about cuba, <laughs> cuba. <laughs> and it's funny that was the first piece we did and had designed so when we ted and i were really working the concept out he was like i want to write a thing about cuba and mm. then he bang that showed up and i'll tell you as an aside that when your boss tells you like i want to write something <laughs> you know i mean my first thing is like oh yeah i, I hope yeah. it's good and <laughs> yeah. it, show, it showed up and it was fantastic yes you yeah. know he yeah. did such a great job on that yeah. i'm like and so he's working well, on some other pieces too the, the, but, the, yeah. well I, I mean it doesn't surprise me i mean he was completely energized by the trip as was i and everybody yeah. that was on the trip oh i was uh, so jealous you know yeah. cuba will do that oh too. yeah no it was a fascinating yeah but yeah. I, you know, but I'm just on the first, uh, the first full bleed. Just going down the list very quickly. Um, uh, Gideon Kindle, um, yeah, uh, has actual comments. Hilarious. Oh yeah. Um, you know, uh, a couple of losers going to San Diego Comic Con oh, yeah. for the first time. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jen Vaughn's piece on baseball and yeah. comics. I guess in a weird way, it's yeah. kind of both. Yeah. Um, uh, Nigerian comics. Yeah. That was a very interesting piece. Yeah, yeah by Abdul. Uh, yeah, Abdul yeah. Karim Baba Aminu. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, the the lost Alan Moore interview. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that was. And I, it's funny. Uh, that's guy Gavin Edwards wrote yes. that. Who mm-hmm. writes for Rolling Stone and a bunch of other. Yeah. He's, he's a big time writer, and uh, you know, he he was like, I've got this lost Alan Moore thing. Never saw print, and I was like, Wait. and sent it. I was a little worried that it would be dated, but it really yeah, wasn't. Well, like, it, yeah, yeah, you it, can't it, really date Alan Moore, apparently. No, it's, it's <laughs> just as crazy as you yeah, can hope yeah, it would be. Exactly. You know? And uh, yeah, he's great. All right, now I'm going to jump really quickly to Volume Two sure. once again. Uh, just in a remark, and I'm leaving. But I shouldn't tell you, folks. I didn't really even get to half of the oh, yeah. material in Volume One. They're chock full, um, and I can't remember the, the what the pirate piece is. No, it's, yeah. excuse me, it's a uh, the German. Yeah, that's called War. The, the Lost Boys of U-Boat. Yes, yeah. yeah. Also, beautiful comic. I oh. mean, it's really just kind of amazing. And so that you know, we're going to run it in the five successive volumes and collect uh-huh. it as its own book. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and those guys are fantastic yeah. and I, I wanted something oh, there's a lot of pretty serious autobiographical yeah. type mm-hmm. stuff in there and I also thought like well we I'll tell a good adventure story too yeah you yeah. know so, so there, there literally, literally is some uh, something for everyone that, that's yeah. what I'm saying it does remind me of the golden age of magazines of the great issues of you know uh, I mean of uh, uh, Essence or Esquire sure. or, um, you Harper's know Playboy and, for that matter yeah. you know when they were really doing serious yeah. journalism uh, but let's jump to volume two. Once again, yeah. we're only going to scratch the surface of what's in it. But uh, obviously, there's a um, an interview with Los Bros, with uh, oh, yeah. Gilbert and Jaime, and of great depth and range. Yeah, uh, that goes across their entire career. Yeah, right, it's right up to now. Uh, from yeah, what I can tell. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I just got to skim it because, like I said, I just got the book. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So um, it's great. Uh, uh, there's a piece by this young writer, Dirk Wood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a couple in this yeah, one. There you go. Comics, t- a comics piece with, with Gideon Kendall. With Gideon Kendall. Yeah, yeah, that's a funny story because uh, so the office we're in up in Portland is an old rock venue. Mm. And it's one I went to as a kid, which is it's, it's, it remains thrilling every day I, I walk in there. So I went to a show in 1987 as a teenager for this band, The Replacements, and it was this legendary sure. yeah. mess. 
And uh, and so I'm one day I'm sitting in my office thinking about that show and how weird it is on there. I'm like, oh, why don't I tell that story? Yeah. Also, it has the added bonus of any time I write something, it's real cheap. Yeah, well, so it, it helps the budget. Get right you know? off the budget. Well, I, I tell you, well, and it seems as though Gideon Kindle is the go-to hilarious cartoonist for disaster uh, trips or yeah. telling disasters yeah. because the, the San Diego Comic Con piece was uh, was a uh, hilarious oh, like uh, uh, um, story of hijinks oh yeah and uh, this seems to be along the same lines oh yeah and you uh, you can't miss a, a more funnier cartoonist oh, I mean he's great I mean he's just got that sort of you know, Mad Magazine feel. Yes, yes. You know, the, yeah. the way that What's he... What's the guy that he, he's, There's a Jack Davis thing going on. Oh, yeah. He's got a lot of... Stuff some Jack really Davis, huge. a little more Drucker, A little too. more Drucker, yeah, because yeah. he, he does caricatures really well as well. Oh, so. yeah. He's um, awesome. Uh, and, okay, moving down the line here, yep. uh, Fruerista, a profile of... Uh, what's his... Nady Okafor. Yeah. Okafor, yeah. Yeah. Of, Wonderful all, all, science fiction writer. Yeah, also written by Abdul Karim Baba yeah, Aminu. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that turned out great. A little funny thing about that yeah. is that, you know, I've, I've known Abdul Karim for a little while, mm-hmm. and he's, he's a great writer. And he uh, he said, hey, I really want to draw something for this. I'd like to do a, a, a sketch of meeting. Mm-hmm. And much like the Ted thing, I was sort of like, oh, okay. like yeah." And I was like, well, shoot me what you're thinking. I've yeah. never seen it. And he just shot the most beautiful one-page that illustration, illustration he that did is, that too yeah it's an really amazing isn't that great I mean wow. for a hot second we considered using it for the cover just because but wow. it didn't quite fit with the lo- you know because I didn't look at who the credit yeah. for it it was because he's an obviously a very good writer yeah but he's like well I was thinking this I just did it and sent it I was like oh my god it's, it's, like, a, it's a gorgeous portrait isn't that great yeah. yeah I guess she was super happy she changed her twitter yeah, you put that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know. if somebody does a portrait like that of me, I'm plastering the world. Oh my god, it's, it, it's really a great portrait. Oh, so uh, I mean, as you can see, and like when we're not even going to get close to all of the stories that's in volume two. Yeah, um, Walter Simonson uh, yeah. profile, the great uh, Marvel artist. All these work for oh, everybody, yeah. but oh, I was yeah. fortunate to moderate a panel with him last year. He's the best. Uh, yeah. Incredible graph, the draftsman. Oh. Uh, Great storyteller. storyteller. Yeah, he is, um, he is something else. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to end our sort of look at volume two. Yeah. Just out now uh, with a piece by a guy I really like and think he's really uh, interesting, Rob Salkowitz. Yeah. Comics and Museums, which I think he has a panel he does. on the same topic. I think it might be about to happen. It might be happening big, right actually. now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was hoping to head down there. Uh, Rob's great. Yeah. You know, he... Uh, um, we actually he got he got started on that piece around the time for volume one, and we just started generating so much content that things shifted and moved. Mm-hmm. Not because we didn't love it, but it was like, oh, that'll be a perfect thing for volume two for this yeah. reason. And uh, so we we had to add a postscript about the Marvel show up in Seattle. Yeah. Oh, right. You know, right. Which, which yeah, which I've been great. hearing about. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be yeah. amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Rob is a, he's an outstanding writer. I mean, also a guy that writes about a wide variety of things. I mean, he's a kind of a business analyst, a futurist. Oh yeah. But he specializes in comics and pop culture, and he right. writes for me at PW as well. Oh yeah. So yeah, full uh, disclosure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and you know, like I said, also full disclosure. I'm going to try and get me a, me a piece into this oh, awesome uh, full bleed. I've got straight. I've got something in mind, and I'm late as usual. But there you nah, go. Nah, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. We'll save a spot uh, for it. Well, well, look, look. Uh, this is great. I mean, I know you just got this out. I mean, can you tell us anything about 
uh, the, the next full bleed? I mean, is this too yeah, soon? Yeah, there's a, okay, a couple of quick things. A little sneaky, yeah, sneaky peeks. Yeah, um, Yeah, there's a, uh, a couple, so Gavin Edwards, who wrote the Alan Moore thing, mm-hmm. also had a hidden Grant Morrison interview, or a never oh. before seen. <laughs> yes. And he had something like 90,000 words, because he, like, spent an entire day with Grant Morrison, wow. like, four or five years ago. And so... And, like, a couple paragraphs made it into Playboy or something like that. And the rest has gone entirely unused. And so we're going to go ahead and and do that. And it's so long, it's going to be a two-parter. It's going to run in volume three and four. And so because we we commissioned Peter Bagg to draw Alan Moore, I thought I'd have to draw, you know, have him drop grand. Yeah. And so we're revealing that image tomorrow on our panel, oh, which great. will be fine. Okay, great. So, but uh, a couple yeah. things like that. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of cool stuff yeah. coming. Well, that you know, cool stuff are you, clearly. Oh. So, uh, well, look, this is great. Um, full bleed is obviously here to stay. It sounds like people are buying a thing. Your lips uh, to God's ears. You've got yeah. great content. Uh, I, we haven't even begun to tell you all the things that are in both of these issues. So go out and get one if you can. If you wanted to get one now, what, what do you do? You either A, as I would always say, go to your local comic shop. Okay. Because they should have just got theirs this week okay. as well. So it's, it's, it should be on shelves yeah. in comic shops. Or, or go to fullbleedmag.com. Uh-huh. Okay. M-A-G. All right. um, and there's various ways to order it there. Okay, but, there you go. And then All right. Soft cover's coming for everybody. Soft cover's coming. There you go. The people's yeah. side of it's coming here. Well, for every... Uh, the, the hardcover, yeah. believe me, for 25 bucks, it's oh. a people's hardcover. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, there you go. put that on the... Put it on... Yeah, yeah you, 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 know, I, you, you don't even have to pay me a finder's fee. It's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. uh, look, this is great, uh, Dirk. Thank good you, good luck going forward. We're going to keep an eye on Full Bleed. And thank Absolutely. you so much for being on More to Come. Thank you for having me. Have fun at the rest of the show. I intend to. Oh, yeah. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. All right, we're back on the floor of the San Diego Comic-Con, and we're here with, with Gary Thompson, the uh, the lead editor, is that how you describe it? Yeah. On Dead Reckoning, uh, the new graphic novel at the Naval Institute uh, Press. Uh, uh, Gary, thank you so much for being on More to Come. <laughs> thank you for having me. Well, we, we are literally on the floor and near a loading dock, actually, yeah. <laughs> on the Sandro. So that's some of the explosions you may hear. Anyway, Gary, um, obviously the the first four titles, I believe, are out. Well, they're coming out in the fall. Yeah, coming out in September. You know, I've, I've read a bunch of them, mm-hmm. and uh, and we were able also able to write a story about um about Dead Reckoning, you know, a few months ago. But but you're here walking the floor. You guys are not exhibiting. What, what are you doing at the, at the con? Well, I think it's uh, we're still in a position where I wanted to be able to come out to the West Coast for the for a long time now. So I go up and down the East Coast quite a bit, talking to talking to talent, talking to people who come to artist alleys. But it's a, just a different breed of people that stay out West. I've never really had a chance to meet them and to get introduced to them. So a lot of it is me going around trying to introduce myself, trying to introduce Dead Reckoning to some mm-hmm. people that might be interested in working with us. But also, you know, showing the flag, getting the chance to meet the people mm-hmm. that we've built relationships with and other publishers and, and other people who are just going to be here regardless and get a chance to actually meet them face to face, talk about upcoming projects and things like that. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, look, while we have you here, why mm-hmm. want, you want to go over the list of those four titles? And yeah. I have to tell you, I'm really impressed. Um, with Machete Squad mm-hmm. uh, and with Trench Dogs, yeah. so maybe you can tell our listeners what Machete Squad is. Oh yeah, Mach- excuse, yeah. Excuse me. Go on. No, go ahead. Yeah, Machete Squad is our, our lead title for our opening mm-hmm. for September. It's an autobiographical comic about a a guy who served a couple of tours in Iraq and then he was promoted to a sergeant just before getting shipped off to Afghanistan. 
So the book itself is really about uh, him being in the middle of major Taliban country, dealing with his own kind of internal demons, a little bit of alcoholism, a little bit of PTSD, but also being the man in charge uh, while having to patch people up, patch up, uh, you know, kids that step on IEDs and things along those lines and having to deal with that trauma that comes along with serving out there mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, uh, Trench Dogs is, is probably the complete opposite of that. Trench Dogs is more of our, like, uh, very indie comics kind of, kind of book. It's, it's an all watercolor, uh, largely wordless retelling of World War One with anthropomorphized characters. So mm-hmm. each character or each country is represented by a different kind of animal. So the mm-hmm. dogs are the British, the pigs that are German and French that are ducks and everything. And you get to see kind of this long, pan of what World War One was like, uh, moving from one front to the other to the other, and seeing different countries participating at each time. So. Yeah, it does. T- it does give you an overview of the entire conflict, but it certainly doesn't spare you from the power and the devastation oh, yeah. of war. No, not uh, at all. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see. We uh, the stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. The stand is is a great kind of graphic journalism. Uh, David Axe and Kevin O'Dell, oh, uh, both war journalists, had. Uh, put together a number of, of stories from people that they had interviewed over the years that had served over in Afghanistan. And this is a collection of a bunch of different specific stories that have come out from then around the first 10 years of the Afghanistan war. So some of them are, are fairly uh, poignant, the people that found meaning uh, over there, and other people that really didn't, uh, mm-hmm. people that, that saw some really horrible things and, and have been scarred from it irrevocably. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it really is an interesting collection of, mm-hmm. of, of stories. Uh, from people have served, including a Taliban, a yes. former Taliban. Yeah, former Taliban. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think what's the last one we have is Don Winslow in the Navy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we, uh, we wanted to be able to, as you can probably tell from the list, I wanted to be able to try and have like kind of a different book for a different audience. Mm-hmm. So each book kind of focuses on a different thing. And Don Winslow in the Navy is our great classic comics collection mm-hmm. from Don Winslow. Don Winslow as a character, as a property, was huge in the 40s during mm-hmm. World War II and after uh, when those styles of comics were just completely blowing up. They were everywhere, radio shows, movie serials, anything. But then once the war was over, or shortly after that, um, he just uh, fell into obscurity. So we, we teamed up with Craig Yo, who's put together a great collection of, of you know digitally restoring these a little bit, so they look really nice, and it's going to come out in a nice, pristine, you know, hardcover, just like a lot of his other books will. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this a really unusual effort? I mean, something you wouldn't necessarily uh, associate with the Naval Institute. But so tell us, what mm-hmm. is the Naval Institute, and what is the Naval Institute Press? Well, the Naval Institute itself is a is a military membership organization. We're not part of the government or the military itself. It's a non profit that was formed as a way to get people to talk about the military and talk about military matters and uh, global security matters kind of outside of the military, but while still having the ear of people who are involved with it. So we definitely have lots of people who are members who want to keep up with what the military is doing, um, but there's also like relatively low-level people who serve who are able to say write articles in our proceedings magazine talking about what they see works well and what doesn't work well in the military and it's since it's all read by people from top to bottom you know admirals all down to down to privates uh it's it's something where there could be lots of communication going on uh about what works what doesn't and the naval institute press is the book arm of that we we do we have several different uh, outfits in the institute itself. 
The Naval Institute Press has been largely academic. We've published lots of books um, and uh, professional books and some fiction. And that's where you got to know we, we first published Hunt for about October and Friday the Concord yeah. back in the back in the 80s. And that was our first fiction. And we still do fiction, but now with graphic novels, it's a, giving us a chance to try and reach out to a different subset of readers, um, get more people at least interested in, in military mm-hmm. history. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so it's just a, it's a unique new effort. That. Yeah, um, and it's just very recent. You guys just started, obviously just started this year, yeah. and the, the books will be out in the fall. Yeah, they're coming out in September. Uh, I've been working on it for, what, three years yeah, now? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're ready to rock and roll. We're doing this thing. Well, this isn't your first comic show because you're actually a veteran of going to SBX yeah. and the Baltimore Comic Con. But is this your first San Diego Comic Con? This yes? is my very first San Diego yeah. Comic Con. It's something else. It's yeah. surreal. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I, we've been, I've been coming a few years and it still blows me away. So <laughs> but anyway, Gary, look, this yeah. is great. Um, <laughs> these are really wonderful books. As I said, I've read yeah. a number of them. <laughs> I was really blown away by Machete Squad. So I'm yeah. recommending people to go out and look for the books of Dead Reckoning. Yeah. And thank you for being on More to Come. Thank you very much, Calvin. Happy to be here. You bet.